Hello, listeners. Thank you for tuning in to the Jeff Heilman Project. This podcast was especially designed with you in mind, where I get the opportunity to sit across the table from Mr. Jeff Heilman himself, in which we can share with you tips and tricks of the trade that have been going on in the Silicon Valley Bay Area for over 26 years. As a matter of fact, being able to sit across the table from somebody who means so much to me, I would hope that you would hear from our voices the pleasure that we have sharing the wisdom and the time together that we get to spend as a couple. It's been our pleasure to be able to present to you this awesome episode, and we are so glad that you have recommended it to your friends and to others. We appreciate you, we thank you, and we hope that you have an awesome rest of your day. We're doing this. (laughs) We're doing this. (laughs) Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Jeff Heilman Project. My name is Jessica Heilman. I'm sitting across the table from the man, the project himself. Is that terrible? I am. I think we're all works in- The (laughs) project. I was trying to think of it. Is it works in project, works in process? I don't know. We're all just- Projects in process. Projects in process. Actually, I like that. I like that a lot. So the Jeff Heilman Project, how many years has it been that people have been coming up to you saying- (laughs) Jeff, your voice, you need to be on radio, you need to be on a podcast. It's gotten to the point where it's annoying not to be doing this. Good. People have been asking me, I would say I probably had 30 people in the last six months, and I probably had over 200 people over the last 10 or 15 years that have said that I should be talking for a living. And seeing as how I get fired from every job that doesn't involve talking or getting fired from jobs for talking too much where they don't want you to talk, uh, I don't know what to do. I don't know how, what else I'm supposed to do. This is my thing. So well, when we were sitting down kind of formulating, I know that you were you were thinking about like uh, the Jeff Heilman project, Jeff Heilman under pressure. We were also talking about just just kind of the way that we do things in your own in the home and business. It's pretty weird. And I would think that what we'd like to do, the way this project has been designed in our mastermind meetings, where that each podcast episode is a project then and unto itself. And so it's pretty cool. I like it. I like the X factor. I like the fact that you, you know, our lo- your logo is a big X, the Jeff Heilman project. Because there's nothing there. Well, not that there's nothing there. <laughs> I like it because it's like We don't the, know what else to put the there. X marks X. the spot. And when you get things done, because we're talking about getting stuff done, you do. uh, you use a big old X. And That's one right. of the main things in the next couple of weeks that we're going to talk about is your daily disciplines. And that's going to come in future episodes. But I know that you are very familiar with crossing things off your lists, crossing things, you know, checkmarking things done. As a matter of fact, I was putting my notes together for this episode and I had written down that. In David Allen's book, Getting Things Done, he very specifically delineates between projects and tasks. So do you consider this thing that we're doing right here, would this be considered a task or would this be considered a project for you? What's the difference? This is this is free form. I think setting up for this podcast was a project. Yeah. I think doing the pro doing the podcast is uh I don't I don't think of it as work. I mean, for me, I don't think of talking as work. I talk all day. I talk all night. I talk to my friends. And all we're doing here is we're just expressing. I had, I had a chance to uh, um, just share some some basic principles 
uh, of success with a friend of mine today and had a couple scriptures in it. And he was, he was coming to me saying, I don't feel good. I want to feel good. And my name, Heilman, the last name Heilman means, um, like the town doctor, the guy who heals in the town, like the guy you go to when you don't feel good. That's my name. And the way that I heal, heal people, I guess I'm, I don't see myself as a healer, but, um, I do help people feel better is I talk to them and I try to talk to them about, uh, what, <laughs> what's up, what's the right way to go about a certain thing or how to think about something in a different way. I feel like I have a point of view that can be valuable to people. And this culmination of this, this whole episode and what we're doing here with the studio and we got Andrew working the sound booth um, is really about doing the thing that you have to do with your life. And I've been looking for different ways to be in a platform scenario. And this is the only thing that I can think of that I can do. I have no notes. I'm not prepared. I didn't set up any of this equipment, the lighting, the sound. Andrew did all of that. I don't have any notes or what we're going to talk about. Jessica's handling all that. She's the producer and co-host. Um, but I do feel like I have put enough good stuff into my head that when I'm prompted and, and have the energy to do it, and I certainly do now here after even a super long couple of work days, um, that there's, there's value that can be contained in a, in a wrapper, in a unit and shipped on a regular cadence in the form of this podcast. So I, I, I don't know. I don't think of it as a, as a project or as work or a task, um, but certainly setting up for this was, I was, was talking to, I was talking to Adam even today about how he was actually talking about therapy and how people, how unfortunate it has become in society that going to the therapist or sitting down often with people ends up becoming a moment of just like reliving the past and just people getting stuck into ruts. He actually brought up the unfortunate cases of so many wealthy people who we find out have committed suicide or something. And they've been in like heavy duty therapy sessions for years with their psychologists. And so what he was talking about was he was talking about the value of mentorship. And like, I hear what you're saying is like, you've made it your life to mentor others, to be a life example for others to, to possibly not necessarily while you'll sit and listen to them, tell you over and over again, the problems or the things that they're going through. It would appear to me, and it would appear to everybody that I know that's come in contact with you, like your goal is to be the healer. Your goal is to come in and be like a beacon to show people about the way that things could be in their life and the way that things could go in the future. How about you and your mentorship? Have you had experiences like, like, have you done it through mentorship? Is mentorship valuable for you to where you've gotten I think that as I've gotten older, the mentorship that I'm receiving now is more just watching, just seeing how people do things, the twist of a phrase, the way they put a, a dinner together or the way that they handle certain difficult situations. Um, I've done a lot of, uh, a lot of self healing and a lot of self care with books tapes, CDs. Can books be mentors? DVDs. Yeah, because authors? the spirit of that person is alive in that book. I mean, the the Bible is an example. Yeah. 
right? The Spirit of God is alive in that book. Well, so is How to Win Friends and Influence People. Dale Carnegie has been dead for awesome. 80 okay, years. Top but... five. Tell me your top five oh. books. If you could, if you like, okay, I'm dying. I'm oh, on my deathbed, man. Jeff. I've only got, you know, six months left to live and I got to read five books a month, a book a month. Well, what are they? That, that really depends on the person because I've read so many books and have so many great ideas and memories and experiences that I would pick a book for a person. Nice. It wouldn't be like, this is a book you should read to anybody. Uh, I don't believe in that. I don't believe shoulds. Like I think people need to get their coffees. should out of the way. Jeff's books and <laughs> <laughs> recommendations. Yeah. Dry comedy. <laughs> Some might say dry heaving. And uh, drinking tea and reading books, right? I think they did a there, there have been a few. But there have been a few books that I've noticed that you've like devoted. Like I, I seem to remember you going through David Allen's book and it took like a year, like you devoted a good solid oh. year. And also when we first Years. met Franklin Covey with the yep. habits of highly effective people, that was That's one right. that you had really devoted a lot of time into. Yeah, I would, I think there's a, uh, <laughs> like, like an artist has a blue period or a red period, right? There were certain periods of time where certain books made a, a big difference. But I think what people are looking for, is they're looking to feel like everything's going to be okay. And I can tell you that um, the books helped me with that a lot. Reading, studying, uh, hearing about other people's experiences, going through trauma, going through a business failure or a divorce. I've never been through a divorce, but I've certainly had plenty of failure in business and failure in finances. And I think what people are looking for is to be, not to be told in, a, in any kind of condescending way, hey, you're going to be okay, uh, that a boy now, now go on about your business and let me get back to what I was doing. But I think, I think people are looking to be shown how things are going to work out to be okay. And I have a very close personal friend of mine who, um, is a very successful author and he's written books and we were having a discussion. He had, he had approached me and I was very honored by his ask, um, to see if he could take his message to corporate America. And I said to him, to this person, I, your your content is aimed at people who think like you do because you're, what you're writing is biographical and that's, that's what makes it so authentic and works so well. But the audience that you're looking to appeal to, the content would need a little bit of a different direction because you made, for example, uh, a metaphor. It, you're making a book about how to build watches. And the average person appreciates a watch aesthetically, but it's it's more than just like they just want to know how to tell time and, and you want to show them how to build a watch. You're actually, you built an entire business around shipping and publishing and writing books for watchmakers. And, um, and so I'm trying to think of how we got on the topic of... Um, we were just talking about mentorship and how... How you're, how it's yeah. evolved over time. You you say that. So yeah. So this person has been a huge mentor of mine, and I've read pr probably five of his books, cover to cover. Couldn't wait for the next one to come out, type of thing. And mentorship is all about real education. The word education itself means to draw out of, to pull out of somebody something that's inside of them. It's not to put something into them. It's to pull it out of them. And I think books and mentors 
uh, can get people seeing themselves. See, you can't operate differently than you believe the world to be. And that's not expected to sound like double talk, but you, you can't, the secret, if there's a secret to success, if there's one secret to success, it's understanding the principle of parity. And the principle of parity simply says that. Is if, parody P-A-R-I-T-Y P-A-R-I-T-Y or P-A-R-O-D-Y? Uh, like parody. Parody. Yeah. Versus parity. No, yeah. this is parity. P-A-R. I'm just recently I-T-Y. becoming familiar with the P-A-R-I-T-Y yeah. version of parody. So yeah. I want to make sure we're not talking about some comedic sketch parody, yeah. but actual parody. Michael Jackson and the Moonwalk. Right. That would be parody. Right. <laughs> and then there's Michael Jackson and Weird Al Yankovic, which right, is right. parody. Right. Yeah. Um, but but parody to me says that you're going to, if somebody's 40 years old, 50 years old, um, somebody could say I've had 50 years on this planet. Most people have had the same year 25 or 30 years in a row mm-hmm. because they're living the same life with the same emotions, the same level of consciousness, the same income. Uh, everything's the same. Nothing changes in their life because nothing's changed in their life. They don't change how they think. They don't change what they're doing. And so mentors don't necessarily change. Books don't necessarily change people, but people who want to change and they want to improve like you and I have, we wanted to improve. And I think what people are looking for is to be shown a way that they can be happy and that things are going to work out. Okay. Um, But the truth is, is that there has to be change involved. If that can we talk for a little minute? I mean, obviously it sounds like if you're getting mentored, you will be growing, you will be evolving. How would you, how do you, How do you talk to people? How do you help people when they're growing beyond their circle of influence? Like it, it can become a really uncomfortable situation (laughs) when, when, you know, you're, you're, you're starting to try new foods, you're starting to try new places. And the people that you've been around, they're like, we don't want to, we don't want to do anything different. We don't want to, we don't want to go with you places. How do you, how do you overcome leaving people behind? I guess. Well, um, I think you cling to the people that are growing. I mean, to me, I've focused on growing and winning and succeeding and doing right by my family and helping you have a great life and getting to know each one of the kids as they are at each moment in their life. And so I just, there's a driving, ferocious, unstoppable burn toward you guys and toward helping and and doing a good job at work and being a top performer there, being a top performer in investments, being being at the absolute height of my my game to do things like that. And, um, I don't really worry about people that don't want to do that or want to do other things, want to grow in some other area. Um, I'm focused on what we're doing and, and try to serve the people that come within that circle of influence, but people will absolutely go in and out of your life. I have had hundreds and probably thousands of people who just aren't part of our life anymore. And we're not part of their lives. And I don't feel like I left them or they left me. They just, um, we just don't talk anymore. And I think that's a, there's just as many guys that I could call after a year or two of not talking and we're right back where we were because we're both growing. We're both progressing in our lives. And then I have other people that are still friends of mine that aren't growing and haven't done anything. Um, But they're excited about seeing our journey and we're, I'm excited that they're still my friends and that, that we can remember the good old days and, and see them where they are in their in their journey today and be 
be grateful for their progress, what, whatever the level that is. So um, I, I don't worry too much about leaving people behind. I do worry that, um, that the message gets polluted, that people might look at what we're doing and think that we think that we're some sort of a big deal or that we deserve a certain amount of recognition because of what we've done. We don't, we don't deserve anything. We're just regular people who work super hard and keep working hard. And we try to focus on doing things that we're good at because we hate sucking at things. Although I suck at most things. I've been fired from just about every job I've ever had. Um, my past past in, in math and science and education and public school proves that I'm not very intelligent in those areas. Um, but we do the things that we are intelligent in, like raising our kids, like trying to be funny and add levity and take the edge off of just life because life is just super hard yeah a lot of the time and i think i think people think number one that it's not supposed to be really hard and it is supposed to be really hard i think life is supposed to be really really hard sometimes i think it i think that it draws us to the conclusion that we need things. I we were I was in a seminar over the weekend and we were talking about the value of just being in tune that you need like the human body has needs and whether you believe in God or the universe or whatever like recognizing that we are insignificant or that we're small and that we need to have other people in our lives. We need to have mentors in our lives. We need to have we need to ha- we need to have something to cling on to. It seems like it seems like it's hard. It seems like it's hard just enough that, you know, when you take coal and you press it or whatever, I think they've proven that diamonds don't really come out of coal, but under pressure, (laughs) it would appear that under pressure, the best, the best people, the best relationships, the best connections, we don't, we, we have this, we have that saying that it's the work that draws people together. Yeah. That's, uh, Roosevelt, Mrs. Mrs. Roosevelt. Mrs. Mrs. Yeah, Roosevelt. Mrs. Roosevelt said it's the work that brings people together. And this work, by, by the way, folks, if I can just take a moment and rant at the camera for it's some fun. It's your project. It's your podcast. You can do whatever um, you want. This work has brought our family together. My son, Andrew, who's behind the camera and uh, likes that position. He's saying what's up. Um, I got to see a different side of Andrew. Over the last couple of weeks, um, I got to see him ask for stuff, stuff he wanted to buy, stuff he wanted me to buy for this podcast. I saw him work long hours and be really detailed in how the cameras got put together and how the mixing board plugs in and where the cables are going to go and whether or not we need headphones and what kind of microphone we're going to do and the lighting and the seating position and where the desk is going to be and the background and the light the the little uh, lightsaber things that you got there all of these different things it's it's really been uh you know i've watched him blossom in this mock-up of a family business and what dad doesn't want his kids in business with him and his wife in business with him to um, try to create something that can add value to other people. Now, we're, this is podcast episode number one, number zero, 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 one, <laughs> the only one so far. Um, but the idea of, of putting something down, of putting tracks down of my voice for posterity, Absolutely. for leadership, to do the thing that people have been telling me I should be doing for 
a really long time that that dream could come to manifestation and that that work that needs to be done to make that dream happen actually brings my family together even closer and provides an opportunity to get to see my son do something that I've never seen him do before. And I, I just, I'm bursting with pride and with joy to, uh, to see him doing it. So love you, Andrew. Props to you. And Washington, Madeline, Jeffrey, Joseph, Teddy, and Nessie, who are all going to be listening. By the way, we have seven beautiful children. We do. And I know at some yeah. point in their lives, whether yeah. it's this week, whether it's in 10 years from now, as you're listening to this, we love you and extremely value everything that you do to contribute as part of the family. Like right now, Madeline's 100%. helping with the kids and Jeffrey's you know, museum doing his today. things. And, How nice. And so it's just, it's really cool to be able to be unschoolers, to be able to be homeschoolers, to be able to find out. I think it's what we do with our kids. It's what we do with each other. It's what we do with strangers off the street is try, like you said, to educate by drawing, finding something within a person that they are naturally inclined to do and just trying to pull that out of them and help them to become the best versions of themselves that they possibly can be. And in my notes that I assembled today for this particular episode, I wrote down in here um, two things. One, that the definition of a project is uh, anything that I think believe, I believe David Allen talks about anything that takes longer than 20 minutes. <laughs> anything is a project. that looks like it's a disaster when it's <laughs> hey, half done. Sometimes when you go to the bathroom, it's like, oh, he's going in there for a project. Right? <laughs> so anything that takes longer than 20 minutes, it's a project. So if you have on your to-do list, Things that take longer than 20 minutes, you might want to consider taking those off and moving them to your project yeah, list. That's a good that's a good little tip. Today's secret password is project. One of the things that David Allen's book d- did a great job of and and continues to be a blessing is to make it very clear that if you're taking too big a bite, you're gonna choke and mm. may not be resuscitated. Like if you have a project that you're trying to do in too big a jump. And so he's constantly encouraging people to break things down into bite-sized pieces. And so if you, if you could use this podcast as an example, if we've been working on this for what a month, Oh man, it feels like it's been, seems like it's been a month or more because I think they said that you could pick up the gear on the 6th of March. Mm -hmm. And I think we paid for it on the 1st of March. Yeah. It's um, it's been a, it's been in the works, but it's definitely it's definitely taken longer than 20 minutes. So yeah. it's definitely but a project. To think that we could learn about podcast stuff, have Andrew go from not knowing a whole lot to knowing a whole lot, uh, find the right equipment, get a deal on the equipment, pay for the equipment, have the equipment show up, put it together, have a stand-up desk and chairs and lighting and seating electric power boards and i mean just just getting uh 900 gigs off your laptop so that we could store yeah the content to edit a single episode at a time that's like my dirty laundry that's I had 900 yeah that gigs was on my probably <laughs> a couple of days just to get those files moved so um but if you look at it as i don't need to move uh, steven dunier if he ever heard this i would cry with Joy. Stephen Dunier changed my life with a single TED Talk. If you, anybody's listening to this, um, we are, uh, we're not sponsored by anybody. So I guess I can pitch anything I want. Sure. 
um, there's a there's a podcast by a guy named Stephen Dunier, D-U-N-E-I-E-R. Um, he's got a couple of public talks. He's based in Santa Barbara. But he did a TED Talk, and the opening line was, I can show you how to become a world-class artist, and it's only going to take me about 15 seconds. Mm. And it was so great. And he shows a, a pencil drawing, uh, like a like a printed um pencil like it was a black and white photograph of brad pitt and he says how many and he pulls up a number two pencil and he says how many people here in this room think that they could recreate this image of brad pitt using a number two pencil and he and nobody raises their hand right and he says um he he Basically, the next seven or eight slides zoom in and you start to see the pixels. Mm. And then it goes to just a single gray square. And he said, how many people in this room think that they could make this gray square with a number two pencil? And everybody raises their hand. And he says, there you have it. I've just shown you the secret to becoming a world-class artist in less than 15 seconds. (laughs) And he says... Now, I know what you're thinking, and he says it in kind of this mischievous way. I just love it on the on the TED Talk. He says, I know what you're thinking. That's not real art. And then he says, but let me introduce you to Chuck Close. Now, Chuck Close passed away uh, February, a year ago, February 2002. Um, but Chuck Close, he had some stuff going on with his body. He was, I think he was quadriplegic. He got to the point where he could only, like, move his mouth. He was in a wheelchair. He had um, some trouble in his brain with the way his brain um, took in the data or the information about what somebody looked like. He could look at them, but it didn't register as somebody that he knew, even though it was his mom or his best friend. But he would ha- he would feel them or he would hold their hand, and he could see, but it was some way that the, mm. the, pic- the image didn't really work that well. And so what he did is he started painting pictures of his friends' faces so that he could remember them mm. and say, oh, this picture looks like this painting, which I painted, called Phil. And I worked on Phil for a year and a half, so I know that you look like Phil, so you must be Phil. And he's like, yeah, that's right, I'm Phil. And he shows this detailed way of going about drawing these, I mean, these are monster paintings, wow. 12 feet tall. 15 feet wide with, you know, 32nd of an inch wide pixels all done by hand to where it's today. It's called photorealism is the, is the genre for it. But he gives this Ted talk about the process of breaking complex projects down into bite-sized pieces and using Chuck close as an example of that. That's what we're talking about when we look at the magic of saying, okay, the projects, the big rocks that I want to take out in my life and do in my life, I'm going to put those rocks in a different bucket than my to-do list, yeah, my because grocery if you list. Have, if you have a project or something that's going to take you right next to go take out the garbage, it, you're going you're gonna to feel defeated, I would think, more often than not because your to-do list never shrinks, right? You never get yeah. anything off your list. And I remember you used exactly to, right. before you read that book, you used to have pages of things, of action items that you thought that you had to address like immediately but found over time that, that you could divide things up into different areas. That's right. That's right. And 
today, I have my day broken up into five two-and-a-half-hour increments. Um, it's uh, 5 o'clock to 7.30, 7.30 to 10.30, 10.30 to 2.30, 2.30 to 6.30, um, and then 6.30 to 10.30. So I guess that one's four hours, but I have dinner from 6 to six to 7. We have dinner. And you have alarms that go off. And I have alarms <laughs> that go off. And I've got my day broken up into these basically three, three and a half hour blocks of time. And my goal at in each, um, in each three and a half hour block is to get everything in my inbox out to ship everything in my inbox. So I'm shipping every three hours. I'm shipping everything I got. Wow. Instead of waiting to ship until Friday or waiting to ship until your sprint's done, I'm shipping every three hours. Ship, 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 done, shipping. And I clear out the inbox. I clear out all the buckets of tasks. And then I go to the next bucket of tasks. And I ship, 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 Just like a M138 machine gun that delivers thousands of rounds per minute. Those are examples of iterations. And the reason why breaking stuff down into bite-sized pieces is so important is because there's a difference between being happy and being satisfied. Being happy is, is circumstance. It's circumstantial. It means, you know, temperature's right. Uh, you have enough food in your belly. You make love when you want to. You have a car that you like. Those are things that make you happy. But the things that make you satisfied is actually the hunger for progress and the ability to see this feedback loop of I'm making progress and I'm moving forward. And uh, uh, Huberman, I think, is the data scientist, neuroscientist from Stanford. He's doing, he's blowing it up in podcasts right now. Man, I'd love to be like that guy. Maybe we'll have him on the show. He's not too far away. Hey. Um, but Huberman talks about what to do to recycle the dopamine process. Mm-hmm. And dopamine is released when we do something fun, get high, drink alcohol, have sex, uh, travel, you know, something like that is very Shopping. high. Shopping could be it, right? <laughs> but but what he says is that dopamine is actually the hunger drug. It's the drug that is perpetually making you hungry to get stuff to where when rats have it taken out, chemically they have the dopamine removed from their body, they'll have the food. If the food's right here, they'll sit there and they'll eat it, but they won't walk right over there to go eat it because there's no hunger drug in their mm-hmm. system saying, hey, I need to go get the cheese. And I can see it. It's right over there. I'm smelling it. I'm hungry. But I'm not hungry to have that hunger fulfilled because I don't have any dopamine. So what he says is success a lot of times screws us up if we don't treat success properly because we're not – the goal is to be hungry. Mm. And in order to be hungry, you've got to keep staying hungry and getting hungrier as you go. And the way to do that is what he said was make the touchdowns but no end zone dance. Hmm. I love that. That's good. So I've been, and you've seen me do this in the last probably month, month and a half. I have been working myself. You know, I've done two all-nighters in the last week and a half. And for those of you who don't know what an all-nighter is, it just means I don't go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I start working at 3, 3, 3.30 in the morning. And I'll go hard until um, 6 or 7 at night, and I'll take a break. Till you know maybe eight or eight thirty, 
And then I'll just work from 8.30 at night all the way through until 8.30 or 9 o'clock the next night. I think it's important that you bring that up because I know a lot of people that are listening or that will be watching have children. And I know when I asked my own grandma a long time ago, I said, how did did you ever get anything done? And she said, honey, I had to wait till the kids went to bed. So it's a a reality that it's it's important. You make it a priority to spend time with your kids while you're awake. But there's there's hours that we're probably going to have to give up some sleep you know, initially for a little while while we still have young kids and kids so that we can dream, so that we can write down our visions, so that we can read books and things like that while everybody is sleeping. I remember, uh, what was that movie with Sandra Bullock while you were sleeping? And yeah. it's like, when did you when <laughs> did you, you get dead. all that stuff that, done? When did you get it while, while you were sleeping? It's kind of like, you know, we could be the ones that sit on the couch or get that you know 14 hours yeah. in but and and there are moments there's for that there's definitely seasons. there's definitely you. seasons if you're sleeping <laughs> maybe you're falling asleep first, listening folks. to the podcast yeah maybe you're falling asleep <laughs> right now listening to this nonsense <laughs> hey. um uh if you're sleeping uh continue doing so yeah i would i would highly recommend but there are definitely check with your doctor if you're not i mean right? the people that you associate with the time that you put into things it's it's probably going to be something extracurricular if you want something extracurricular done in your life and i'm glad that we're coming kind of to the close this is it's been 40 minutes it's been just about 40 minutes that we've been talking and so i'd like to continue the finish of this particular episode by asking you whenever we go into doing anything Everybody watching, whenever we go into doing anything, if it's a road trip, if we're doing something, if it's cleaning the garage, you always ask me, you say, Jessica, what does done look like? Yeah. And so I'd like to hear from you when you're saying, what does done look like? Like, is that, what does that mean? Where did it come from? Why, why do you ask before you, before you even, it used to irritate the hell out of me because before you would even pick up your paper to write down, hey, you know, I've got a million things in my mind of, okay, this needs to be done. This needs, you know, this needs, all these action items in order to see the project completed because I can see the picture in my eyes of what I want. The first irritating as heck question that you always ask me is, Jessica, what does done look like? And so maybe you can explain. Yeah, what does, what does I mean, Don probably look- from a selfish standpoint, it's just because I don't like working. I don't, <laughs> I don't like think helping that's true. Or, I, I think know. it's a clarification. Pro- I mean, you're, yeah, it's if, like, if I've got a different picture than you've well, got, that's so. In uh, in getting things done, David Allen talks about how the motivation, and this gets back into dopamine, the motivation to do a thing is directly related to the person's belief in the probability of that thing being successful. Mm. That's good. So if you're asking me to just work away all day on some honeydew list and I have no idea what we're doing or why we're doing it. And I'm just sitting there with a paintbrush and the paint saying, here you go. Yeah, let's here's get your started. paintbrush. I'm like, what do you want me to do with this? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you want me to paint a wall? You want me to do cut in? Do you want me to do one windowsill? Are we doing oil-based paint? Or I used to paint, right? Are we doing oil-based paint or latex-based paint? Is it water-based? Is it something indoor, outdoor? Are we standing a deck? What are we doing? What's the finished project going to look like? Same thing with driving directions. You know, some people try to give me driving directions. I'm like, I wish I could follow them, but I can't. I'm not a directions person. Go to the McDonald's, make a left. Yeah, Yeah. forget that. No. (laughs) Tell me what kind of food you want, and I will go out and kill it and bring it back. That's a clear picture of what done looks like. Give me a map. If I have a map, I'll find out how to get there. To me, finding out how to get there is the fun part. Mm -hmm. If you're telling me how to get there, it does two things. Number one, it says, 
I don't think you're smart enough to figure it out. And I'm not saying you I'm, when no. I'm looking at you, but somebody saying, I don't think you're smart enough to figure it out. Or number two, I don't want you to have any fun. Mm. And both of those are bad. So give me a map. Give me a picture of what done looks like. Show me, give me some semblance of when this agony of having to do something I don't want to do is going to be over. And then the probability of success in getting rid of the agony goes up. And because of the probability of success going up, the motivation goes along with it. Now that to me could not be a simpler concept, but no, not for everybody. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate it. I mean, I, I hope that whoever's watching today or listening, listening online, that you have taken some nuggets from this Jeff Howman Project episode one. We've got multiple episodes. We've got multiple episodes coming at you. The next episode, we're going to talk about Jeff's nine daily disciplines. We're going to kind of introduce you to what his what his daily routine looks like. What 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 does a daily routine look My like? Routine. Yeah, you have one, <laughs> believe it or not, and it involves a lot going of little a lot of little grids. Yeah, early. <laughs> so thanks for come, tuning in you guys we really appreciate it and thank you for this first ever just Jeff when we Island say don't project. forget to like and subscribe yeah. don't we, forget to like subscribe hit the bell and yes that's when we that's okay. when we traditionally would do that because there is more in store for you bye-bye guys good night Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find Jeff Heilman on LinkedIn, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. Please don't hesitate to reach out and contact him. And we would be glad to get back to you and keep the dialogue going. If there's any chance that you need anything at all, don't hesitate to let us know. Bye.